Bear, bear, bear. Gently bear, bear, bear. Thanks for listening to Grand Craft Beer, Ben's premier beer podcast, exploring everything beer in Central Oregon, with your host, who's a Cicerone and the author of Oregon Breweries, Brian Yeager. Hey there, welcome to Grand Craft Bend. This is Brian Yeager, and today I'm excited to be joined by Grant McFerrin, who's the assistant brewmaster at Crux Fermentation Project. Welcome, Grant. Brian, how's it going? Very good. Thanks for joining us here. My pleasure. Uh, you know, obviously, the goal is to reach out to brewers at every single Central Oregon brewery, and we've talked on and off, and I'm just glad to have you in here. But the good part is, no matter what time of year, no matter what's coming up, we even have Zwicklemania coming up. That's right. Uh, Crux fits into virtually everything going on beer-wise. Yeah, we, uh, we're lucky to have the capacity to kind of brew across the style spectrum. So we can, you know, every time you throw a festival, usually we have something for you and we can hit check all those boxes. So, Speaking of, of just that alone, do you have a, a, a number in your head? How many year-round production beers you guys have how many recurring seasonals like how many beers are in the mainstay crux oeuvre (laughs) um it does shift year to year um because we do kind of a lot of seasonal seasonal one-off releases um especially of ipas and hazy ipas so we'll alternate those in 16 ounce cans uh every month or two and put new stuff out there um in terms of canned beer, the production facility is, you know, probably kicking out across a year well over 20 different beers, um, plus a handful of barrel-aged beers. Um, and then, so my job is at the tasting room facility, the original Crux location, which is the one everyone knows about, um, with the nice copper kettles and beautiful brew house, great view. So and just a killer hangout. I mean, yeah, it's it's everything fold. We wouldn't be going there if the beer wasn't great, but it's the fact that it's just the chillest of Bend vibes. It's got room for everyone. It's got tables, lawn, fire pit. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, yeah. we always hear when when friends come to town, it's one of the first places that Bend locals take their friends to kind of show off Bend to people. You have the great view of, of all the Cascades. You can kind of look over the old mill and downtown bend and really get a feel for things and enjoy some great beer and food while you're there. Um, let's see back to the original question. <laughs> um, so last year I brewed a hundred batches at the tasting room, me and my team. Um, and I think 60 to 70 of those were different beers. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So we're pretty much every week brewing something different. It may be a tweak to an old recipe or it could be something entirely new. And of those recurring ones or the production ones, I assume it's safe to guess that Gimme Mo is the best-selling flagship. You would uh, oh, think no, am I so. Wrong? Yeah, I would um, think so. So Crux Pills um, oh, has been our best-seller for several years now. That although... says something about the state of craft beer consumer changes that it's a, a pilsner and not an ipa yeah yeah and crux has been that way for probably four or five years as long as i've been there the pilsner has been our number one production I beer i love it i'm glad to, i mean i'm not glad or unglad yeah. but I'm, I'm interested to hear that <laughs> yeah some of that is that we do quite a few ipas so that ipa drinker yeah. they're you know they get diluted a little bit across our spectrum but and i but yeah. will go on record as saying one of my very favorite bend beers and probably my favorite crux beer 
is bochi bochi. I love yeah. the rice loggers. So that seems like it would be something that could potentially cut into Pills's sales. Yeah, that was definitely a bit of a worry when we were developing it. Um, but with the way loggers have been growing for craft consumers, I think it was smart to to kind of start building up another logger brand that's I mean, you guys less were... hoppy than the Crux Pills. Crux Pills, was, we were one of the first, you know, Oregon Northwest breweries to really have a flagship pills that was year round in cans. So um, you guys were even bold enough to go so hard in the rice <laughs> paint that you had Bochi Bochi on at the same time as that collaboration with Van Henyon, which was a, a different rice logger. That's right. Um, what did we call, end up calling that one? Uh, Old Tricks. Old Tricks. Yeah, that was um, a special brew for our Dogs and Logger Festival last August, uh, which we'll do again this year. So we did New Dogs with Living House up in Portland, a newer brewery. I didn't catch that one. That one was a West Coast Pilsner uh, using Love some it. of their hopping techniques. And um, Conrad drove down the yeast on his motorcycle for that <laughs> brew day, uh, which is pretty rad. We have some cool photos of that. And then, yeah, we got to brew with Van Hinnian. Uh, so we did an American rice lager. Um, so I believe we used some Cascade hops in that one. But otherwise, it was pretty simple recipe, just Pilsner malt and 40% rice. 40%? Yeah. So that's about, of the you know, maybe we did rest. 30%. Uh, bochi Bochi is 40%. Um, and we use whole whole grain rice, the same rice you would buy to cook at home for that one. We don't use flaked rice. So we are able to do a cereal mash on our system, both at the tasting room, brew pub, and at the production facility. That is something. So you, you've been at Crux for four, coming on coming on five years now, is that right? Yeah, four and a half about right now. Which so. is about a third of the time because I know this coming June, uh, as we were discussing earlier, will be the uh, 12th Crux-toberfest. That's right, yeah. This um, should be right near the end of June. But I do remember when your brewmaster, assuming still owner, yep. Larry Sidor, who's just not just a a titan of the craft brewing industry, but was a titan back before there was a craft beer industry. Yeah, a titan <laughs> of the northwest of the northwest beer scene. Exactly, <laughs> among your 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 Mount Rushmore of P and W brewers, you know, there's probably only about four people who you could make the argument deserve to be on there and. And he's absolutely one of them. We'll save the other three for yeah. another episode. <laughs> uh, but I do remember right when when he and and the original partners were getting ready to open Crux, uh, he wanted all the different pieces of hardware, all the different you know things in there to do all the different kinds of mashing and decocting and all the really nerdy, excellent, expensive things that you have to install into a brewing system to be able to brew all those world styles as well as you guys have managed to do all these years. Yeah, our brew house is pretty special at the tasting room. Um, German engineered, uh, it was built in Japan. Um, so it was originally installed in kind of what I'm what I believe was like a German themed village for the 98 <laughs> Winter Olympics. Uh, so it was set up to do German style beer. And by that, I mean, they were doing decoction, um, it's it runs best for small gravity beers. So our lauder ten is kind of small, as we found out today. Trying to brew a stout um, <laughs> turned into a bit of an ordeal, but um, yeah. So we have a mash mixer, a dedicated kettle, and they're plumbed together, which is fairly unique. Um, and then the lauder ten whirlpool stacked on top of each other, and we've actually added 
Larry added a fifth vessel to a hot back. Um, and that was you because need, he's passionate about, these yeah, days, yeah, passionate about using whole leaf hops and has been from the beginning. So, and are all of Crux's IPAs or extra hoppy beers run through the hot back? Yes, that's uh, pretty good. Cool. They all have, the, I don't mean run through the hot back, but I do because I was really trying to get at they all use whole cone, whole leaf hops. Yes, not exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only one or two beers we make at production that don't use whole leaf hops. Um, I think PCT Porter does not. Um, it's just a, a light hop load in that beer. But there were no such thing as cryo hops back in 2012. Yeah, Things that he couldn't have even, even he yes. who had seen all the changes and the, you know, augmentations through the years, that wasn't something that we saw coming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and using whole leaf hops, you know, we're able to be a little more connected to the growers, especially in the Willamette Valley. So we'll get some trial hops from them that, you know, haven't even been pelletized yet or pretty what much are fresh some out of your, the field. What are some of your favorite hop varietals going now? It's it's a tough thing because there are so many. Yeah. And I try to stay on top, not even nearly yeah. to the extent There's that new ones every do, single day, it seems yeah. like. And it's a little hard to remember the numbers sometimes. Um, and even though the industry says, all right, we love Citra, we love Strata, yes. we love Mosaic, <laughs> but people always want something new and different. So yeah. how, like, what is that like to, to try all those? Um, uh, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure. Um, it's a ton of fun. Um, so we do, we do have a single hop series at the pub. Um, so right now we're on aromatic variants number 12. So that was with YQH 1320, uh, the hop. And it does have a name now. It's called Elani. Um, so I've actually seen a, a few. E- E-L-A-N-I. Elani. I believe it's named after like the matriarch of the, the hop ranch. Mm. And what are the characteristics in it? That you um, it's got a real nice white peach kind of stone fruit quality, a little bit of pineapple. Um, so it's fruity without being like a real citrus bomb, like a citra or even a mosaic. It doesn't lean quite as tropical, except for the pineapple, I guess. Um, so it's a nice, well-rounded fruity hop that just kind of brings something different to the table. Possibly coming to to, to a million hazies. Our way yeah, <laughs> I think I've already seen a few other beers around Oregon using that hop. Um, so it's not not 100% new, but this is the first time we've, we've used it as well, and we just got it in from, from YQH uh, in the last few months. Another one we're going to play with here soon, we've used once. It's called 2B uh, from over in the Willamette Valley, the same people that bred McKenzie, um, which we've used in Future Forward, uh, mm-hmm. which we're calling the Northwest IPA. It started out... Um, as a fundraiser for, I think, Travel Oregon last year. So it was 100% Oregon ingredients. Like to see it. Um, when we take that to production sometimes, you know, we have to use some Idaho malt just to you know, <laughs> keep some costs down a little bit to get things in a six-pack and on the grocery store shelves. Um, still great malt, but it's not 100% Oregon. Oregon, All right. there's not... Well, there are not a pe- huge quantity of barley grown in Oregon, so that and can as be much a little as hard to source. Some people trying to blur that border between Oregon and Idaho. Anyway, yes. we'll, we'll let them. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll throw them a bone with yes. that beer. <laughs> All Oregon beers could could become more difficult in that scenario. Now, also, you had mentioned that uh, that your system is pretty much designed for lower gravity beers, but as you mentioned, you have some barrel aged beers, so it's not like Crux stays away from high gravity beers yeah they're just um just a little trickier for us to brew at the production facility there um we have a mash press which is a 
a totally different system. So there's no louder tone like you would see in 99.5% of other breweries. <laughs> um, so we have a mash mixer where the water and the grain, the milled grain combine, and then it gets pumped into what's basically a big hydraulic press. Is that for added efficiency? Like Added what is efficiency, the... um, faster runoff. So mm. when we brew Pilsner over there, we're brewing seven batches um, across two brewer shifts, um, which is would be pretty hard to do on a ladder ton system. Um, so when it's running well, we can run off a beer in 15 to 30 minutes instead of an hour and a half for most systems. And because you mentioned the production facility. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to spring this on you. <laughs> uh I've known about that for a while. That production facility is up in Boyd Acres, maybe what we're increasingly trying to get referred to as the Brewers District. Yeah, I uh, like because that. there's a hand, you know, there's half a dozen other breweries within a, a stone's throw of the Crux production facility. Obviously, you guys went ahead last year and opened up the pub in Portland. Yep, opened that last June, so they're going to be celebrating their first anniversary here. I haven't up. been there yet, but how are things going up there? Really good. I think they're really starting to find their audience up there, seeing a bigger lunch crowd. Um, people that were fans of Crux are you know, starting to remember, oh, there's a Crux in Portland now, <laughs> so let's go check it out. Or let's Saves be three hour repeat drive. customers, yeah. So we're in kind of the inner southeast there, not too far from OMSI. Um, but th so the view can't be quite as not quite as perfect. nice. Um, <laughs> nice little patio at the moment. We're hoping to build that up here in the next year or two. Um, there is good parking, which is rare parking, for Portland. Yeah, that's key. Um, and even on a really busy day, you know, summer day here in Bend, parking gets oh yeah. to be a, an yeah, issue. Yeah, that's always been a bit of a pinch point um, for Crux. Um, so yeah, not an issue as much in Portland. We have a bigger kitchen up there, which has been really fun. Um, Did the grilled cheesy team. make it up there? You know, I haven't seen the menu. I haven't been up there for okay. a few months. They had a like a beautiful watermelon crab salad um, this past summer. They had some really exciting stuff, um, and it's been fun for our culinary team up there and Eric, our head chef, to work on. So, so but the question I was building to yes. is, <laughs> when? I'm not even going to say will. I'm going to say when are you guys going to open up even a small tasting room at the production facility? You it, have a whole different neighborhood there, yep. different clientele. Yeah. So we're, just to add some context there, I guess we're kind of, for listeners, we're kind of between Van Hennian and Ten Barrel would mm -hmm. be maybe the yeah, two, there's, I mean, two think biggest, about it. best known ones Van Hennian, exactly. Ten yep. Barrel. You're, you are in between, but there is also Bridge 99. Yep. Craft, Craft. with their barbecue. Uh, Oblivion, Oblivion is open on occasion. Yeah. Um, and the Monkless. And Monkless. Uh, Monkless is moving out, yep. and then Terranaut's moving in. Yes. We'll get Brian Excited on here on another uh, episode when he's ready to talk more yeah. about Ben's <laughs> only new, you know, forthcoming brewery. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited for Brian and to have him as a neighbor up at our production facility. We've been talking about maybe getting a collab going here to, to help him have another exciting thing as he opens. So look, look out for that. Um, but do you think that will happen? or do you, are they, Is there a talk about it? Is there it is talk about it. Um, I think for a period it was, you know, kind of a toss-up like Portland or, mm. or this north northern bend location essentially. Um Obviously, we went ahead with Portland about a year and a half ago, so I think the second Ben location is on hold a little bit. Um, or we might do there have, even be yes. a different location that you guys are eyeing, whether that's Oregon or 
I mean, right? Sky's the limit. Sky's and the we limit. see this. A lot yeah. of breweries are opening satellite pubs. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's Oregon ones going out of state. Sometimes it's out of state ones coming into Oregon. Although, you don't see a whole lot of that, I guess. Not yeah. yet. I Not mean, anymore, Oregon's I always had such a, such a strong scene. You know, right. We don't maybe take kindly to outsiders bringing their beer There in. is the lineage <laughs> that Von Ebert, which is one of Portland's best and obviously Oregon's best breweries, uh, but that they came out of Fatheads, yep. uh, which was an Ohio brewery that invaded. Uh-huh. Uh, it, that, <laughs> sorry, that, that uh, you know, that it, it branched out to Oregon and, and opened up and in Portland had really good success. I don't fully understand what happened other than it happened and things yeah. happen all the time. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to say yes. I wouldn't be terribly shocked to see Crux open in Seattle, for example, or Boise or who knows? I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah. What are you guys I mean, that's about, about the uh, <laughs> Washington's our second best state, obviously, um, behind Oregon. Um, Portland's always been our biggest market, single market. Um, you know, once we started distributing, so that was just logical to, clarify, to be the next spot. There are more people there. Yes, per capita. <laughs> I'm glad you guys per know capita, your bread sure is always Oregon. buttered here in bed. Yes, yeah, yes. When you factor in the tap room, I'm sure uh, beer sales in Central Oregon, yeah, especially per capita, far outweigh Portland. Um, yeah, I think Seattle has been looked at in the past. Um, Boise, we send a good amount of beer to Boise and Idaho. Uh, we send some to Northern California and a little bit into mm. Nevada now, too. So mm. I definitely wouldn't see us going outside of that at all. Well, um, But that does open up you more possibilities. Good Life is opening a pub in I saw that. In That's Nevada. awesome for them. Yeah. I'm excited. So have to go down there and check it out. It's all on the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A bit further of a road trip. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, um, one exciting thing that's been so earlier, we talked about Crux Pills was our number one Mm -hmm. product, uh, within the past year, actually, our number one canned item is the (gasps) non-alcoholic IPA. Amazing. That is, that is really riveting beer news that your biggest (laughs) volume beer is your NA beer, your non-alcoholic beer. Correct. And you guys really, I mean... The fact is, here we are in early 2024, and uh, you just see a whole lot more options in that NA space, both NA beers, hot waters, my particular you know, favorite direction for something that a brewer would make that is non-alcoholic. Yep. Um, is there going to be a Nomo hot water? Not to say that you might call it that, but it's something in that... Yeah, direction? I could see us sort of expanding the line in that direction. Uh, right now, we've been focusing on putting out more rotators in the non-alcoholic, what we call Nomo series. So we've had the Nomo IPA and the Nomo Hazy IPA are kind of the flagships. Did I see both of them medaled at a what was was it a sip competition? Yeah, what did I see? Sip Northwest, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, they both medaled and did really well there. Um, so we've been in. Um, yeah, just the fact that they're. Nomo IPAs are number one seller. That's the best feedback you and can And when ask did it for. come out for you guys? Because again, you what I was trying to build at was Crux definitely question. was. Uh, you weren't the first, but maybe the first in Oregon. Is that possible? Do you know? Um, right around that, I would say. I think it's been less than two years, but more than a year. So we'll say a year and a half, maybe, since we really 
been pushing those. Yeah, I feel like it was. It, it could have been a full two years. Yeah, I, it feels. It feels like not new to me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so that that is very telling. That that is your biggest selling volume. Yes. So we were no early to that market for a, a regional craft brewery. Um, you know, Athletic Brewing is probably the big national sure. one that everyone knows about. Sure. Um, and then we were or and have been. You know. Pretty much second in line behind them in the Northwest for no non-alcoholic. That's beer amazing. Sales. That's I mean um, that's huge considering yeah. what a growth so we, segment of a industry that doesn't have a lot of growth to cheer about. Obviously, I think the numbers were Imperial IPA had the biggest growth of any style for 2023. Yeah, it's but been someone, interesting to watch to see the higher limit yeah, of ABV exactly, so well and then exactly. the 0.5 and less and so well. I will forever be in that <laughs> 4 to 6% yes. ABV range, but I'm also used to not being the norm. Yeah. So even though that sounds like I just want to I just want a 5.2% pale ale. Well, that's to, They're getting uh, harder and harder to yeah, find these exactly. days, at least in cans. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a pale ale is my go-to everyday drinker too. So we can agree on that. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I am go- and obviously, you know, I would say whatever you're looking for. That's that's what craft beer has always been about: is delivering a product that the big boys just didn't realize. And of course, you go to the supermarket now, and yes, you see a lot. I even just saw Budweiser Zero for the first time yesterday. So it's not like they don't know what's going on. Uh But, yes, exactly. Between Athletic Brewing, which I think ballooned from, like, not on the map to top 20 largest breweries in America Mm -hmm. and exclusively doing non-alcoholic beers, uh, pretty pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a huge uh, growth segment of the market. Um, So we were lucky and fortunate and had the foresight to get in there early um so yeah that's done great for us so we've been working on the the rotators in that series so we did kind of a porter style that is a hoppy dark um there's some rules about calling it a porter or stout if it's a non-alcoholic beer so really hoppy dark ale um, you've got to be kidding me no. you could have you could have an na ipa but you can't have an na porter so it can be an ipa but not an india pale ale the acronym what? is not a legal term. What? <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so we have a hoppy red as well. <laughs> um, a lager is kind of the holy grail. That'll be, I think, a little harder to achieve. Um, it's just, you know, customers expect such a clean flavor on a lager, and that's the hallmark of the style, and getting that in a non-alcoholic beer At the same is a little time, tricky, but I think we can get there. I remember visiting uh, Europe, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago and seeing an entire, you know, it's so funny. You go into a European market and it's so unlike an American market. If you want tomato sauce, here's your three options. If you want canned olives, here's your one option. But here, if you want cereal, there's a whole freaking aisle devoted to breakfast cereals. They have their muesli. They have their granola. That's kind of about it. Yeah. But beer is the one thing we're like, all right, <laughs> we're with you, Americans. We're going to have an entire aisle devoted to beer. But half of that aisle was either, you know, zero to 0. 0.5. Uh, maybe they'd had a couple two percenters, which I actually really enjoy. I'm waiting for the craft American segment to catch on to. Uh, I've had a two and a half percent IPA that blew my mind. Yeah. So that did, 
it yeah, can... it is kind of a sweet spot in there. Yeah. Um, even just at our tasting room, though, I've noticed. Um, so we were talking about earlier, double IPAs have had a moment in package. We don't oh, necessarily no, sell that many. double IPA, aren't we? What's that? Oh, the no. World, no, world, no, 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 no. Someone's going to do it, That's not where I'm going here. Oh, you are. <laughs> thank God. But someone's going <laughs> to. Um, back to, to normal yeah, yeah, beer. Good, good. Um, so we don't sell that much of Half Hitch or any of our other double IPAs over the draft system. Um, it's just not what people come to Crux as much and want to sit on the lawn and enjoy. They don't, they're, they don't necessarily gravitate to a 9, 9.5% or even 8 and above percent beer. I get that. So we sell you know, a lot of the Pilsner, Bochi Bochi, Pale Ale, and then plenty of IPAs. Um, but if we go much below 4.5, then... Interesting. We don't know who, like, nobody orders that necessarily. I would. Okay, fair, fair <laughs> enough. No one's going to, you know, devote their, their whole production uh, calendar to, to my skewed taste. But uh, I do. I can't help but wonder if in this world where they're drinking 4% and over uh-huh. and they're consuming 0% in mass, if maybe – some of them might be interested in a two to three percent beer. I think so. Like the I, I wish have done uh, Rattlers, English, I guess, yeah. are an, an example in that realm. They're often well. That's off 2%, topic, but two to three. <laughs> I do put on Rattler Fest in that that's Brewers right. District. Yes, and I want you guys to open up <laughs> and have a, a a Rattler available. But that we're talking mid mid September, so okay, we, we could revisit time. that. Maybe we can just. Or even, Roll a kegerator out the garage. Like, door. what are you guys doing for uh, for Zwickelmania? Obviously, you're not opening up the production Thanks facility, for but it up. BBC yeah. does. I forgot. I knew there was another brewery That's in that true. area. Ben Brewing Company also has a production facility very close to Cruxes yes, that they open right. for the day. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, what, what are your Zwickelmania plans? So we, a couple weeks ago, we brewed a collaboration IPA with Bevel, uh, our right first on. collab with them since they've opened. Um, that one was spearheaded by Ian Savage, our QA head. Um, he's a more recent graduate of OSU. This was kind of his first collab recipe, so that was awesome for him to get involved. He's also a newer disc golfer, so he was ah, stoked about collabing with Bevel with and yeah. brewing with Nate and uh, Curtis over there, so... Uh, they came over to our facility. We brewed a, kind of an 8% juicy IPA, not hazy. Um, a lot of mosaic, a lot of strata, a little galaxy. Um, so we're hoping that one's ready. We're going to move it next week and then uh, hope it's ready to serve next Saturday for Zucalmania. So that's the 17th, I believe. Um, and then we're releasing Slow Rush, which is a barrel-aged stout. Um, that I originally developed at the pub about a year and a half ago. So we released the first batch of that about a year ago. So this year it's a rum barrel-aged stout. Mm. Um, so it's inspired by Spanish coffee, the cocktail, mm. uh, which I fell in love with at the Dogwood, mm-hmm. um, which will hopefully be reopening again this year. Fingers crossed. Yeah. They um, stay there. It yeah. will, and we'll be, we'll be patient. Yeah. So not to get too far off track, Um that's Doug and Phoebe, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, there are no tracks here <laughs> up from which to get off. It's all you know, uh, space. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's all related. Um, so Doug and Phoebe, the founders and originators of the Dogwood, their original location was in Crested Butte, Colorado, where I used to live, and I was one of the first handful of employees many years ago there. Uh, learned to fall Full in love circle. with cocktails through them. Phoebe trained me how to bartend years ago, 
Um, so I worked for them forever in Colorado. Uh, they've remained great friends. Doug was the DJ at my wedding. Um, and so I came out here for the opening of the Dogwood and Bend uh, just over 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now. And that was my first time visiting Bend. Amazing. Yeah. Look at that. Um, and that then is when, some serendipity. Exactly. Um, so anyhow, this is all to say that the Spanish uh, coffee cocktail I learned about through the Dogwood from Phoebe. It was a drink that originated in Portland years ago. Where Spanish Phoebe learned coffee, to, coffee is a Portland thing? Yes. Whoa. Yeah. So Phoebe learned to bartend in Portland during the big cocktail renaissance. Is Irish like coffee not an Irish ago. thing? Probably not. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the full story on Irish coffee. It seems like it's been around longer. But Spanish coffee is 151 rum, lighted on fire, spark some nutmeg and cinnamon in there. Um, recipes vary, but usually you add a little creme de cacao, triple sec. Sometimes you can add Kahlua or um, like a little Bailey's or Irish cream and then top it off with strong coffee or espresso. Um, so I got to know. So it's a warm drink. Yeah, what, what's... Oh, with whipped the drink cream is one, right. and kind of an orangey coffee flavor, and it's strong. I so love for the beer version. Glue beers. Yes. Would would your what's the name of, of this Spanish Slow coffee? Rush? Slow Rush. So an al- allusion to the coffee, the caffeine coffee oh, side of I it. I like it. So we're using back like porch it. coffee in this in both batches we've done. Uh, so this one's aged in rum barrels for about 13, 14 months. Um, I just took it out of barrels and into tank on Monday. Um, so we'll add some nutmeg and cinnamon, cold brew coffee, get it into package, and release it for Zwicklemania. And we'll awesome. be doing uh, barrel pours of that one. So what we're serving out of the barrel will be interesting. That will be the obviously uncarbonated, unblended version, but without the coffee and spices. Like, so you'll be able to like, try. You, like pulling a nail, yeah, like doing pulling it the, the proper. Nail, exactly. I love yeah. it. It's, if it's not going to be off a Zwickle, I want it to be yes. out of a So we'll a have a pull. Zwickle beer and a nail beer, of, of any nail beer. What um, will the Zwickle be? The With Conviction. That's the Bevel collab. Oh, right. Right on. Yes. Excellent. What a great plan. Yes. A, that, makes, that makes it a must hit. Obviously, the whole point of Zwickle Mania is to go to around as many breweries as you can. You pop in. You get the sample. You are, of course, welcome to stick around, have a pint, get something to eat, or you're just welcome to carry on to the very next yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. And we, we open up our brew house at the tasting room, the famous copper one that everyone knows that I work at. So um, you can kind of get a little self-guided tour there. We'll have a brewer up on the brew deck to explain things and then try the two beers and hang out on the lawn, hopefully, if it's nice. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, what other, you know, thinking about, Right, you have one-offs, you have collaborations. Uh, our seasons are changing. We we go through all fifteen seasons here. Uh, how do you prepare for those? Because I have this horrible habit of saying, <laughs> "Hey, I'm doing a festival in two months. What could you make for it?" But in actuality, you come up with the full calendars year. You know, the full schedule. How far in advance, and then how long does it take you to? to shoehorn in these different one-offs. Like you said, if you did 100 batches, yeah. 70 of which were done for the first time or not you know, for repeating, yeah. how do you work all of those in? Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes we're good at planning <laughs> it and sometimes we're not is the short answer. Um, so all those production beers, ones especially ones that are going into package, 
those require a lot of planning, even just because you're ordering the packaging materials mm -hmm. and we need to make sure we have X amount of hops for, you know, 200 barrels of this IPA, for example. Um, the smaller batches that we do at the tasting room, we can be a lot more flexible with. Um, sometimes it's as simple as, oh, this tank of hazy IPAs running low. We try to have between two and four hazies on at any given time. So I know I'm going to need to brew another one <laughs> soon. So sometimes we can look just a few weeks ahead and fill gaps. And because I like to derail everything because yes. I don't believe in these rails. <laughs> uh, a moment ago, you mentioned that uh, the Bevel collab is a juicy, not a hazy. Yes, that was the idea. Uh, to To sort of go <laughs> over this, because I find a lot of people describe all hazies as juicy. Uh huh. Uh, does juicy in your mind mean it's an all dry or late hopped IPA that isn't doesn't have the haze characteristic? Yeah, more or less. Um, so I feel like if, if Hazy's on one end of a, a spectrum and like a West Coast, more classic IPA, more bitter, clear looking, um, is on the other end, a Juicy has some room there, wiggle room in the middle. So you might be slightly drier than a Hazy IPA, so maybe a little lower finishing gravity, less sweet, uh, a little bit less of that soft pillowy mouthfeel that the best Hazy's have. Maybe a touch more bitterness um, in this particular one. So, yeah, we have a huge amount of late edition hops, two different dry hops, a lot of hops in the hop back. But is there early edition hopping? Is yeah. there any bittering yep. yeah, going there's, on? Um, I can't remember the IBUs off the top of my head, but, yeah, it'll have a little more bitterness than a lot of hazy IPAs. Um, it's strong and a lower amount of wheat or oats in the grain bill. Um, which hazies are going to have 30 mm -hmm. to 50% wheat slash oats to to get that haze and to have a softer mouthfeel. Because so. I think that's something that still, here we are many years into the hazy revolution that reinvigorated the whole industry. Uh, I, you know, and again, I know I'm not the mainstream palate, but I could drink them. I kind of enjoy them. Some people are all about them. Yep. But what I do like is this sort of middle ground with the juicy. Yeah. Where it's yeah. There's I'm not there's a lot of wiggle the color, room there. But maybe it's sure. the mouthfeel of it with having oats. I certainly wasn't digging it when people were pouring <laughs> in flour and flour. oat milk and just yeah. like what. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, you know, there was a period, too, of, like, fruit additions, too, oh, to get yeah. a little of that citrus character, which can sometimes work, but sometimes not. And then at the same time, that's pretty much Great Notions Wheelhouse. Yeah. And I got to yeah. say, I do love it. Yep. You know, they're creamsicle, whatever. Sometimes, it's, and again, this is why we need 100, 200 different beer flavors and styles, because if we all wanted the exact yeah. same thing, we'd only need one brewery. There's room for everybody. And yeah. every beer style, and, and that's what craft beer has always been about. And at Crux, we have 28 different taps, so we have that that variety to play. But all those taps aren't exclusively beer, are they? Because you guys no. make and sell more than just beer now. Yeah. What, what are the what are the non-beer, what are the beyond beer uh, um, beverages that you guys are working on? So we have a Crux Cider. Uh, we work with Easy Orchards over near Salem to produce that. Uh, he's an amazing, Kevin's an amazing apple grower over there, uh, naturally fermented, um, 
excellently grown apples of cider varieties you know they're not your right it's varieties. a serious your, yeah. your cider is a serious cider it's not yeah like a, it's a eh. li- it's got a little funk to it it's it's um it's not off-putting it's not as extreme as like some of the basque ciders that get Which super funky love. yeah i love those too <laughs> uh it's a little more drinkable than that but yeah it's not uh it's definitely not a sweet cider um so we also have some wine in package as well. So we do a rosé, two different reds, and a white. Um, most of those grapes are coming from Washington, Columbia area. Okay. Um, and then one, probably the most exciting one in the last couple of years is the Crux Whiskey. Yes, that's what uh, I wanted you to yeah. get to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that doesn't hog a draft line as well, right, which is enough. nice. <laughs> uh, so... The first two batches we've done of that have been with Pursuit Distilling up in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, but we made the beer, the wash, mm-hmm. at Crux um, and hit all those numbers so that we can call it a bourbon whiskey. Um, one interesting thing we did with it was we essentially brewed a little bit more of a stout. So we used some more chocolate and darker malt that give it just a nice little kind of finishing note of like coffee and chocolate caramel in the whiskey. Um, it doesn't the change the color. Has no or hops in it, or was it no was hops? It, okay, yeah. I I happen to enjoy trying because the wash that goes the what distillers use to make whiskey is beer. Yeah, they distill beer. Yeah, down into and it's whiskey. fun. Um, you know, being Crux Fermentation Project, yeah. explaining that side of it. A lot of people don't understand that, that from day one to you make whiskey, you have to make beer first, mm-hmm. no matter you know where you are in the world, whatever whiskey product or distilled product you're but making. 99% of those washes don't have hops. Correct. So I like yes. really trying And most of them are really heavy in corn, and, yeah. and they use a yeast that may, maybe you wouldn't want to drink, the wash or the beer. <laughs> sure. Uh, but the same with, <laughs> with any wash. Yeah. They're not usually they're not, enjoyable. Yes, they're not meant to be consumed as a wash. Uh, but to, like you said, you you – the grist was designed so that it could be called bourbon, which by my understanding means 51% corn yeah. rather than malted barley. Correct. Not yep. to say that that other 49% isn't probably barley or other adjuncts, but... Yeah, mostly barley. I think there's a little rye in there. Um, I believe each two batches have been slightly different. Um, and when we brewed those, when we did the first one, I wasn't even with Crux yet, so that was Many years mm. ago, that project started, and then it aged in barrels, of course, for several, at least two years. Um, so, yeah, that was another one of kind of Larry's pet projects. That um, So Larry, our founder, just retired. I guess it's almost been two years. Oh, my goodness. Time flies. <laughs> um, and the Noma was one of his ba- last big projects, too, before we still see Larry every week. And, good, good. Um, so it's not like he's but how could ridden you see off every into week the when sunset. He's fishing in Alaska every week. <laughs> I guess maybe every month is more accurate. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but no, that that's all it is. You know, having the the true house cider, the true house wine, the true house whiskey. Yeah. Oh, and I guess the so, other thing we've been experimenting with as well is having um, batch cocktails. Um, mm-hmm. So we're mixing those in kegs um, and serving them on draft um, with a little garnish so the bartenders can spruce them up a little bit. Um, so we've done a lemongrass gin and tonic. Um, a really great Paloma called Riverside Paloma, and then um, a, a more wintry dark cherry whiskey cocktail called Industrial Punch. Um, we're 
workshopping some other ones. We'll see where and that. These are available goes. at the pub now. These yes. batched cocktails. Yeah, we usually have at least two of them, two to three on draft at any time. See, um, this is my. This is where I go wrong. I walk in. I focus <laughs> exactly on the board. Yep. And I haven't looked, but now. So now I the will. far right of the board that used yeah. to be events is cocktails. I th- and we list, all sound we great. list the I mean, whiskey literally. up there too. Yeah. And and I love the different directions. The botanic gin one, the fruity tequila one, the richer. I don't know. I don't. Use yeah, a little more mature, spirit but, forward. Uh, yeah, with you know the 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 whiskey, the the cherry cordial, as it were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that um, sounds amazing. And yeah, so that's just another option for consumers when people, you know, oftentimes we'll get groups of people coming into Crux or any brewery, and maybe five out of six drink beer, and there's one other person looking for either that cider, wine, or cocktail, and I think those numbers are growing, and people expect breweries to have different options. And yet. I don't believe I've ever seen a homemade soda there. This is true. We've talked about, actually recently talked about maybe trying a root beer. Um, the only issue with some of those is um, kind of staining the draft lines a little bit. What if you have uh. a dedicated root beer line, though? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know yes, that's the, that's what, the appropriate answer. What Grant's referring answer. to is if you run something as boldly flavored as root beer, you run it through the hose to the handle and it will if you ran say the the pilsner through it right yeah. after people would think <laughs> it's not my father's root beer yeah because it would it would leach the yeah. flavor would leach yeah but sodas and root beer especially are kind of known for that with all the spices and root beer yeah because that's a fine idea and and i and i'm gonna <laughs> pitch this in advance a lot of breweries that do have a, a root beer on they get the extract then they fill it with sugar and then they carbonate up you know some water but the ones that really do a from scratch root beer here i'm going to give a shout to uh, terry ferendorf whose recipe for steelhead root beer is still in play i don't know 30 years (laughs) later i think uh that that's one of my favorite ones so i feel like if the brewers go through all the trouble to get all the other raw ingredients for beer you would never think to buy a, a tanker full of wort and just ferment it. Yeah, exactly. Why do they think they could get away with extract root beer? Maybe it's not always the brewer making that decision Maybe. in those instances. Uh, this is, uh, see, yes. here's, yeah, this is definitely a personal <laughs> qualm that I, you know, that I'm airing. It's not uh, your fault. Yes. But I if agree. you guys so do if, it. Yeah. I, uh, so Annie, Larry's daughter who works in our marketing team and has for the last several years, um, she's mentioned wanting to work on this project and she has the Sidor family root beer recipe that she made Amazing. in her youth. So. Yes, that that really, I mean, that would be so cool. It, especially because you know you have a very large customer base that wants non-alcoholic options through Definitely. your Nomo. Yeah, you know you have a lot of miners. Uh, anyone who shows up there knows that it's a very, very family-friendly destination. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the summertime, I will all I say is as a as a man who truly raised his kid going to. <laughs> tap rooms and beer gardens uh that's on the parents man yeah those parents need to do a better <laughs> job they those they're the people who work at crux are paid to brew beer and to bring you the beer and the food and to have a great environment they're not there to babysit your children that's true i mean bless <laughs> our front of house staff <laughs> uh they're an amazing bunch and uh 
Yeah, they you know they deal with the occasional headache in the summer. I'd say most ninety nine percent of our guests are awesome and super Absolutely. respectful and That's, amazing. Right, I'm not trying um, to paint with a broad brush. No, but the occasional thing happens with a dog, or it's, and that could happen you know, anywhere. It's not always a kid. It just so happens <laughs> that Crux has the biggest best beer garden, and so you're gonna yeah, see it more. Yeah, it's a magnet. Uh, yeah. yeah, but all but full circle. Uh, <laughs> if there was a root beer option for them or the grownups, I mean. I know what my beer drinking habits are. So if you only have beer, you're going to make two sales off of me. But if you have a hop water, a root beer, something like that, now you're going to double it because I'm going to go. Alternate. Exactly. Yeah. Just saying. You're selling me on it. Good. Well, no, it sounds like (laughs) Mary's. uh, Annie. uh, Oh, Annie herself. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. So I, I, I want to see it. All right. I think it when's, when's the root beer festival? <laughs> so many. Could we do a root beer? Man, if everyone did one, if everyone committed to it, I would 100% organize it. I think you might be on this. How something. many do we need? And what's the food pairing there? Well, that really gets into something different because I've actually had a vision for a root beer company. I'm not really going to do it, but I like to talk about it. Um, where there's... Obviously, you know, there's sassafras, there's sarsaparilla, but you could do a cherry root beer. You could do yeah. all that. You could do a, a, a Doug fir root beer there or you a go. spruce tip root beer. You could, there's so many things. We could have a desert sage. There's so many bend flavors, so many central Oregon flavors that you could incorporate. Or it could just be more of a cream soda. It could be all these different things that are in that realm. Yeah, maybe open it more to craft soda. Yeah, Perhaps. so when you, when you the talk about food focus. pairings, obviously there's the natural root beer floats. Um, you could do a root beer spice cake. There's a lot of desserts just because root beer itself is sweet. I would think a lot of sweet pairings. But that said, uh, barbecue is a killer, okay. yes. killer food because you have so many spices in the rubs and then you have additional spices in the recipe for the drink. The, the possibilities are virtually limitless. Let's I, do it. Let's do, All right, <laughs> dude. All right. It is on Root Beer Fest. Stay tuned. There we go. Grant, <laughs> thank you so much for coming in today. Appreciate all the insights as to what goes on at the pub, as to what goes on on the packaging side, the seasonality side, and confirming that uh, now that the Portland pub is open, you're obviously going to open up Yes, at the t- and production room because I because we talked about it. Speaking of the Portland pub, I should yeah. mention they're doing a Zwickelmania up oh, there good. for any listeners that'll be in Portland. Uh, this year's Zwickelmania is all on the seventeenth statewide. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did we brewed a collab beer with Hopworks, um, who's our neighbor in Portland, essentially just Indeed. down the road. Um, so that's an English IPA, I believe, and we sent uh, some of the Portland team over to Hopworks to brew that. Just to sort of ask, I haven't I haven't looked into this in in probably since it uh, opened, the space that the Crux Pub moved into in Portland took over the former Vagabond Brewing yep, space. Correct. I believe there was some brewing equipment. Yeah, there, there's still a few fermentation into. tanks in there, and there is some room. Um, hopefully, if all goes well in Portland, I think, you know, in a couple years, I'll market dependent and hope the, the 
Portland scene is is in a good spot and Crux is in a great spot and yeah maybe you'll I see a brew house up Portland there. There is, is a little room for it. I think they would like to see. Yes. It. In fact, I know they would because my Portland friends who come here have said they want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, we've tried to recreate a little bit of the what um, Crux fans and visitors know and love about the Bend crux and bring that to portland with the ambiance and design there's a lot of wood um well since we're talking gary about- and sam uh two of our employees gary's our head one of our head maintenance guys he put in months of work up there thank you sam um, yeah and gary and gary thank you yeah. both of you uh because you mentioned you know obviously again it's crux fermentation project not brewing company and you have these batched cocktails Canned RTDs, is this something that has been discussed, looked into? Yeah, I think that would be the natural evolution once we're happy with the pro- with the blends we're making and, and see a market for it and, you know, make sure that it works on our canning line and all that. So Adding a distillery here in Yeah, Bend? that's the other is thing that I forgot, something? I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have a still. Happen? It's not uh, installed yet. Oh. But, yes, um, that was all part of kind of Larry's project with the whiskey moving forward to to distill our own that's why we did the first two batches with pursuit um we might have a third one in the works i'm not positive but yeah we would that still would be at the production facility oh okay okay so you know one could sit there yeah that's where our distilling license is uh so yeah that's fair but again it's a beautiful copper still of course people will be able to to observe that in process too people like i, I think i'm that's convinced the, that people love seeing where their stuff is made it's why when you go to exactly uh you know the tillamook factory people if it was just an ice cream shop maybe but it's where <laughs> the ice cream is made it's where the cheese is made it's where the magic happens and so uh, for crux you guys have a whole lot of magic happening yes that people want i think that's the eventual idea once uh once that's all up and running and off the ground. Uh, and that was the original intention with the tasting room, the one everyone knows. The brew house was supposed to feel like it's right in the middle of the room, kind of. So when you're having a beer, you're basically sitting right next to the louder tent. So. Exactly. Yeah. And below the banished barrels. Exactly. Yes. I love it. Well, again, thank you so much. Thanks thank you, Brian. This is a pleasure. See you at Root Beer Fest. Oh yeah. Bear, 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 bear. Thank you for listening to the Grand Craft Beer Podcast with yet another voice from Central Oregon's homegrown beer community. We hope you'll share this episode and subscribe so you never miss a beer-soaked conversation. For questions, comments, or suggestions, contact host Brian Yeager via Facebook, Instagram, or X, all with the handle at Grand Craft Beer, all one word. Cheers.